Chucky saw. Batman! How'd you get here? and the nerds who haunt themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine, in each episode I'm joined by guests to talk about a movie they love, and see where the conversation takes us from there. If you're a regular listener, thank you and welcome back to the show, and if you join us for the first time, welcome to the show and thank you for giving us a listen. I hope you enjoyed the film talk, and as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the Am Why Not Facebook group, or wherever you see this episode posted. For this episode, we head back to Gotham City, but for this trip, I'm joined by Andy Clift, as we head into the animated world of Batman Mask of the Phantasm. This episode marks the first animated movie we've covered on the podcast, which is long overdue. I've also gone through and edited out all the swearing for this episode, or at least I hope I have, um, sorry if I missed any, uh, so that it should be suitable for all ages to listen to. And now, with an advanced warning on spoilers and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer. This Christmas, for the first time, America's most exciting and legendary motion picture hero comes to the screen like you've never seen him before. The Bat! In an all-new, larger-than-life feature film. Now, the Dark Knight confronts his newest and most menacing villain. Your angel of death awaits. The Phantasm. I want you. And faces his greatest danger. Be too careful with all those weirdos around. A soaring new adventure. Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. The animated movie. Coming for a Christmas you'll never forget. Hello Andy, how are you? How you doing man, you okay? Yeah, ticking on yourself. Yeah, not bad, not bad. You know, same thing, same thing, ticking over. <laughs> That's all we can do these days. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It kind of feels like if you make it out of bed in the morning and you make it back to bed at the end of the day, you've succeeded. Yeah, you've pretty much uh, encapsulated my ethos. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, I'm really looking forward to this one. I've got to be honest. Oh my god! I, I, I yeah, I've been looking forward to this all, uh, ever since you asked me to do this. I, I can't wait. I was like, there's only one guy I can ask to do this, really. Oh, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. No, I mean, it was Bruce <laughs> Tim, but he said no. So. Oh. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy to deputize for Bruce Tim. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, yeah, so we're talking about Batman Mask of the Phantasm because it's its 30th anniversary this year. Admittedly, not till the end of the yep. year, but still, we'll get into that in a sec. So a little bit of info about the film. So directed by, I'm going to murder some surnames properly. Uh, probably, so I apologise in advance. Directed by Eric Randomski and Bruce W. Tin, uh, with sequence direction by Kevin Altieri, uh, Boyd Kirkland, Frank Poor, and Dan Re- uh, Dan Reba. Written by Anna Burnett, Paul Dini, Martin Pascoe, and Michael Reeves from a story by Anna Burnett. Based on characters featured in DC Comics, Batman created by Bob Kane is the only one credited, but Bill Finger as well. 
And even though it's not credited on the credits, Joker created by Bob Kane, Bill Finger, and Jerry Robinson. Starring Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill, Dana Delaney, Hart Bochner, uh, Abe Vigoda, and he's not on the poster, but Stacey Keach as the Phantasm as well, because he should have been on the poster. It's, one, it's Stacey Keach. Two, he's the Phantasm. <laughs> um, released in cinemas on December the 25th, 1993 in the US, and was released on the 3rd July of 1995 on home video in the UK, although I swear I got it for Christmas in 1994. So that I got that date from IMDb, and I think it might be wrong. Because I definitely didn't get it the same Christmas I got Batman Forever. Um, grossed $5,635,204 worldwide on an estimated budget of $6 million, according to IMDb. Mm-hmm. Um, Roger Ebert didn't review the film for his website, but both he and Gene Siskel, feeling that they'd made a mistake not reviewing it when it was in cinemas, made a point of reviewing it on their TV show in 1995. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes for the clip of them discussing it, but they both loved it and like felt that you know they'd need a massive oversight by not actually talking about it, which... You know, for them to actually go back a couple of years later and highlight it. Um, and again, there's no Barry Norman review because it didn't get a cinematic release, but Empire Magazine gave the film five stars out of five when they reviewed it on the video release. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's pretty much it from at the time or around the time. Um, a fan of Batman Mask of the Fan does Um, Yes. <laughs> cool. Thanks for coming. And I. And I <laughs> That, for me, and I and I don't feel like I'm overstating this at all. For me, it is the greatest Batman movie of all time, and I'm including live action movies in this. Um, I think it's along with the animated series in general, but for this film as well, I think it's the it's depiction of Batman outside of comics. Yep, ever uh, still to this day. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love Mask of the Phantasm. I, I can't sing its praises enough. I've loved it since I was a kid. I watch it regularly um, just to kind of like, you know, it makes me happy. <laughs> it's in that yeah. top five greatest movies of all time. Um, so yes, short answer. Yes, I do like the film. <laughs> it's sort of, what was your memories of first seeing it? Do you? Oh, no, I can't. I can't do you remember, remember. how it I came into have... your life or? No, 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 no. My my watching the the animated series. I, I imagine it would have been on video somehow because I I would watch the animated series like a lot of people, you know, after school, um, bits and pieces, um, and I probably got it on video at some point when I was younger and and kind of watched it then. Really, but no, I don't really have a definitive memory when it came in. It was just sort of like like the animated series in general. I mean, it came out what in say thirty years ago, yeah. so. I would have been about nine anyway. And yeah, so the, like my memories of that would have been a bit spotty at best of, of, of when that kind of, it was just kind of always there. And that film just kind of, because it was obviously so much like the animated series, look, it probably would have just, you know, morphed into the my thoughts of the show in general. But um, it was only when I kind of got a bit older and I started to kind of really look at the series as a whole. That I, you know, separated it as the movie and just kind of like appreciated it for what it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I remember the animated series starting on, I believe it was What's Up Doc at the time on ITV. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. I think I found out about it because I used to get Look in magazine every week, 
obviously Batman Returns was big, and then they started said yeah, there was yeah, this yeah. animated series coming, and I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. I was like, got off my neck when that's on and tape it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I did that, and then I was reading comics at the time, and there was an ad for Batman Master Phantasm. I was like, what is this? And obviously, no internet, no. So yeah. it went on my Christmas list that year, and I got it that year. Yeah. So like I say, it must have been '94, and um. I was so excited to get it. And when I got it, I was like, I mean, I've still got the VHS. So I, just, I was going to dig it out, but. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And yeah, I watched that Christmas and then I rang my friend Andy and I was like, no, like Batman, the animated series. I was like, it's like that, but better. <laughs> it's like, well, I thought yeah. Batman, the animated series looked great. It's like, no, it does, but this looks even better. Cause it was meant to be a straight to, well, then a straight to video movie, wasn't it? It was. And it was. Warner Brothers up yeah. the budget. And said, if well, get, they, you can get it out by this date, you can do it in cinemas. And well, yeah, well, there it was. It was the story goes because this actually because obviously with it being thirty years, you, you, you hear a lot of story. The story goes um, that Warner Brothers were looking at basically what Disney were doing because Disney had put out um, Aladdin yeah. and made a whole a whole load of money with this, and Warner Brothers were thing that loads of companies do when they see competitors making loads of money and they go, well, what have we got that we can just get out there? And they knew that Batman, the animated series, was not just popular with kids, but with adults. So they sort of looked what was going on and they saw that they had this sort of director video animated movie of the series kind of going into production. So they basically arbitrarily made this decision to like, well, we're going to put it out in the cinema. Um, Here's a bit of extra money. Let's make it happen. And that caused all sorts of problems yeah. on production because obviously at the time, animate uh, uh, TV shows and director-to-video releases were all made TV, which at the time was square four by three, um, whereas cinema was, you know, 16 by nine widescreen. And that caused all sorts of problems because they had to start retooling scenes to make them for widescreen. Um, I actually think, and this is just, this is just my personal view, but back and watch it there's certain shots that sort of have this kind of faded kind of dark shadow in certain yeah. corners and i'm like and that could be style but it doesn't happen consistently enough and i kind of feel like is that there to kind of hide the uh, the kind of making it widescreen adding in that extra area i don't know i'm just kind of um, thinking of that one but they basically they were kind of said you know they, they upped the budget to, to, to six million dollars and was like get it out and of course when it, it did come out in the cinema it didn't you know as you say you read the numbers it, it made a loss yeah but um, they didn't really advertise it i know christmas day is like a popular day for seeing films yeah. in america it's unlike here but well because i think mark yeah, hamill told a story that like him and yeah. one of the family were in there and they all just sat together and watched it yeah 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 but bruce bruce tim i know he doesn't massively look back with fondness for the film because of the whole kind of rigmarole of trying to make it for cinema and then having like, and then it basically being cons- considered a flop yeah. cinematically. And he, 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 he's gone on record and sort of say, you know, he doesn't, it, it kind of soured his experience on it, which is really, really sad because obviously it's such a, such a cult classic yeah. for, for, for everybody who's seen it. And it must, I feel really sad for him because he, he, he helped craft this beautiful movie, this fantastic depiction of this iconic character. And he can't take the joy in it 
and I get it. We've all worked on projects that have been um, that have been interfered with, with like higher ups and making decisions that are out of our hands. And we all know that that you know people who work in art, what we do, you know, comics and, and 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 animation stuff. We know that they can they can do that, and it can kind of make you be a bit, you know, sometimes lose a bit of the flavor on the project. But I just sort of feel bad for him for that. Um, yeah, no, because same. you know. But yeah, so it. I mean, I'm, I kind of love the fact that it, it's cinematic because of how it, it does make it slightly different from the show. Um, but yeah, it, it must have been because, like I say, you know, I, I as you know, I, I'm an animator, so I, I I'm I'm no stranger to, to clients and producers coming in at the last minute and kind of going, we need to. So it can it can definitely add stress, but I think in the end, I think we can all agree, not just story wise, but production value wise, they made an incredible product an incredible yeah, movie that's it they definitely found its audience on home video oh god yeah yeah oh like i say i don't think it was ab- the fact that even siskel and ebert weren't aware of it being in the cinema at the time i know it was the christmas break still but mm-hmm. and i think that was the case for a lot of americans like, what it had a cinema because that was always like you know the catch you out pub quiz question for a little while wasn't it is like you know list all the film <laughs> batman films released in the cinema yeah 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 but like i say um it's it's it, it's a, it's a bummer about that, but at the same time, I'm 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 you know I didn't work on it, so I'm really glad Warner did it. <laughs> because, yeah, <'cause> it's... <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, it's bad for Bruce Tim. In some ways, I'm quite like that. It's like a fairly niche, not niche niche, but you know, yeah. it's a fairly niche Batman movie. You can tell your Batman mm. fans, where it's like, what's your favorite Batman movie? The ones that are like, yeah, it's Batman v Superman, and the ones that are like, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. It's Batman Mask of the Phantasm. I think like, you know. Anyway, <laughs> it's just a fact. <laughs> it is. It's just amazing. I mean, it's weird with Warner Brothers. You think like you know the animation legacy they've got. I know they had several failed Looney Tunes sort of movies that they tried to put out at the time, but they never really embraced their animation side. I know they do a lot of the straight to video or straight to DVD animated movies now. Yeah, yeah. But I know they I tried think... a few things. They did an Animaniacs movie. They did. Mm-hmm. What was the other big Warner Brothers one that came out in the 90s? I can't remember it now. Again, I don't think it was that big. I think they put money behind it. It was like, was it Swan Princess or something like that? They did a few things oh, like remember. that. Yeah. Was, well, Thumbelina it might have been. And that's fine. I mean, I, I was kind of loved that the, 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 the DC animated movies sort of stayed direct-to-video and DVD at the time. In the end, I felt that kind of made them, there was something cool about that. Some yeah. of them got uh, limited releases. I I know I I went to see um, one of the Batman sixty six animated films in the cinema. I had like a limited day release. Yeah, I saw, I saw Killing Joke that way. And... Yeah, I saw Batman and Harley Quinn on a in the cinema as well. On again one one showing, uh, and that was great. But there was there's just something about it. You just sort of once they started doing the animated movies, I think from. Uh, well, it was like a that Superman Doomsday, wasn't it? And then yeah. Justice League New Frontier, they started putting out these movies regularly, um, direct to, to DVD or direct to video online or whatever in the end. Um, I was kind of cool with that, that they didn't kind of push it to the cinema. Yeah, I think the problem with what they tried to do in the 90s, like with this Batman one, was they rushed it mm-hmm. and, and again, didn't put any real marketing behind it. I think the other thing was with doing... 
I swear it was Swan Princess or Thumbelina or even maybe even both, was they were trying to chase that Disney classic model instead of doing their own thing. I, I, I think that where it also suffered in the cinema, Mask of the Phantasm, was that at the time, you know, it's not just that animation doesn't necessarily get a fair shake from the general cinematic public, which I don't think it ever has, no. really. Um, we know you've only got to look at last a, year's Oscars with their, uh, you know, we well, all know animated movies are things we put on for like, keep our kids don't, quiet. Don't even, don't even, man. No, I know, I was livid. Like, I was watching the Oscars oh, and I was like, that, oh, that was more but, egregious to me than Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Yeah. but <laughs> That was the thing I wanted I think, to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the thing that really suffered Mask of the Phantasm is um, I think even if Warner had pushed it with an ad campaign, which undoubtedly would have made it more successful, but at the time, the general cinema goer was used to Michael Keaton, Batman. You know, yeah. we were smack bang in the middle of the 90s Batman renaissance of movies, you know. Um, so everyone was used to going to see, you know, Keaton, Burton, Batman movies in the cinema. These big spectacles of live action, sort of say, hey, here's the new Batman movie in the cinema. It's a cartoon. I think the general public, as much as it pains me to say, I think the general public probably still would have gone, it's not Keaton though, is it? It's not, it's not. I mean, I know obviously the next one was Batman Forever, but at this yeah. point it was still Keaton. It was only a year afterwards. So I think at this point people were still kind of, would have, I think the general public, and that may be unwrong, and I hope I'm, I hope. No, because I think even wrong, sort but... of in my group of friends, even with cartoons, we were like, <clears> imagine <throat> if they did it live action. It's like, who would you cast? And it was always yeah. the thing you did. And it's like, you look back at it now, it's like, no, no, it, it's great because it's animated. It wouldn't work yeah. in well, live I action. Think, and I think that that goes again to how I feel about Batman in the animated series in general. And in fact, the entire entirety of the um, DC animated universe, that one of the reasons why this depiction of Batman, I think, is so successful and so brilliant and so iconic is because they were able in animation to portray Batman yeah. in a way that we could we could believe it. Because when you watch when you watch the the live action guys, um, and they again all tremendous, all of them, even Clooney to a point, and you know, um, you are still looking at a man in a suit in a rubber, in a rubber suit, suit yeah. <laughs> which is which is weird because if Batman existed, that's how you would see it. You wouldn't see animation, um, but you know, you're still seeing an actor in a suit, and yes, they can d deliver an iconic performance. And you know, for me, it was Keaton when I was a kid. You know, he you can look at that and go, Oh, that's Batman, but generally speaking, that's you're limited in a way because of physics and reality. Yeah, there's only so much you can even in you know, with animation, you already have that slight suspending of this of belief, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's animation, you already it's not real, so you're you sort of already. You're already accepting it on a level already, you know. Like for a Mask of the Phantasm, like there would have been people probably watching that that hadn't seen Batman the animated series, but they don't really go into trying to establish him as Batman. They just it's Batman. This is Batman. This is Batman in our world. Deal with it. And you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's believable because of the voice and the setting and the and the drawings and the, you know the Gotham on that beautiful black paper the way they had to draw yeah. Gotham in the Batman anime series by drawing it on black paper having to add the lights rather than removing it and and 
you know, the car and the, the designs being so they could look like the comics. They could look like a version of the comic book in a way that the films couldn't, you know, and still can't. Even though you've got Ben Affleck, who's very, very close to Dark Knight Returns Batman, it's still it's still not the comic. And yeah. it's still not that world. And they can you, you can you can do that with animation. And I think that's why it's so brilliant. You just accept it. It looks like the comic book comes to life in that beautiful angular art deco um style and that voice yeah. you know the voice the voice that's it and, I've, oh. I've got two batman in my life michael keaton because i will always love michael keaton but yeah. kevin conroy yeah. is batman he is um, he is he forever the, with kevin <laughs> conroy for years i didn't want to know what he looked like because i didn't want to show because i love the bbc radio batman nightfall I saw an article <laughs> in a Batman comic where they interviewed him, and nothing against the guy that played him. Um, from everyone I ever spoke to who was involved in those things, he's a he was a lovely man, and he was great as Batman and those things. But he did not look like Batman, so I was like, I never <laughs> want to see what Kevin Conroy looks like. It wasn't until years later when I bought one of the books and they had a picture of him in it. Mm. I was like, oh, that's Batman. And there was a little bit of me that was kind of like, it's not how I've pictured him in my mind because I pictured him pretty much looking like Bruce Wayne in the cartoon. Bruce Wayne, yeah. And yeah, he does, I agree. but it's... <laughs> yeah, I agree, man. Like in the when I was a kid, I was exactly the same. Um, because again, when you've got a live action actor, Bruce Wayne has to look like the actor. Yeah, that's, that's it's, it's that Bruce weird Wayne thing. Like when like. you're a kid, and you find out Bart Simpson's actually voiced by a woman. You're like, what? Well, yeah, or, or yeah, or anything like that. You yeah, find out who these people are who they're actually voicing. Yeah, yeah, you know, like Luke Skywalker's the Joker. What are you talking about? Yeah, you know? that blew my um, mind. So for yeah, years again, um, I was like, there must be another Mark Hamill because there's no uh, way. <laughs> um, but so, but I remember when I first saw a picture of of, uh, of, of, of Kevin Conroy, he, he he obviously didn't look like I thought. I it's like you, you know, for years I was like, we, we obviously just looks like Bruce Wayne, you know, that's what yeah. he but, but obviously he doesn't. Um, and I, I was kind of like, oh, okay, that's that's. I didn't for some reason like I didn't find it jarring because I definitely have experienced that jarring feeling that you're yeah. talking about about finding out what the voice actor looks like versus the character and you're like that's there's a disconnect there but for some reason with with um with kevin conroy and batman it, it, it didn't really sort of got a kick out of it yeah i sort of got a kick that he was just like this well, guy he's sort just, of got that never... angular jaw hasn't he and you kind of actually know well, he does. like you know you put a, it's like when they yeah, cast yeah. Clooney as Batman and I had a picture of my, when the article yeah. and then I drew a bat cowl on and I was like, yeah, no, actually, I can see it. Yeah, so I'm yeah. going to miss Val Kilmer, but I can see it. But with, with Kevin Conroy, there was something about the fact that he didn't look like that. And I was like, wow, that really could be anyone. It could be, you know, that's the beauty of animation. Yeah. You can have, you don't have to be this, you know, because we know that with, with, again, with live action actors, you know they have to have the look and they have to have you know this, this but with 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 animation you don't and for me and again, this is uh, not to I'm... say that kevin conroy wasn't a good looking man because kevin conroy no. was a good looking man no <laughs> no he definitely was I, I... nearly a good looking guy but for me i mean i was when i was younger i, I was you know I, I studied acting and um in as a disabled guy my roles were always going to be limited because i'm you know i use yeah. a wheelchair so the idea that you could voice anime. I could be Batman. Yeah. You know, I'm a guy in a wheelchair. I can never play Batman live action, but I could, I could voice Batman and not look anything like him. And, and I think Kevin, Con seeing Kevin Conroy, I was like, 
that that kind of that kind of did that for me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I was like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't end up. Well, I mean, I saw them. No, but that's really that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it was awesome. And again, finding out about Nancy Cartwright and and all all these and and, and thinking, yeah, she's Bart Simpson. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, Bart Simpson's not played by an eight year old or a ten year old boy. He's played by, but that's awesome. You know, like, it, and I, I it also makes you aware of all those preconceived things you get jammed in your head as a kid of like, you know, boys are boys, exactly. girls are girls, kind of like, yeah, but Bart Simpson's exactly. a girl, this is wrong, no, and then you're like, you know, well, no, 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 what am I thinking? But, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's beautiful. It was one of the things that drew me more to animation. Yeah. Uh, the ability of being able to, to do that. And uh, again, like, you're probably going to hear a lot over the next course of our, our talking. Uh, that's another way that Kevin Conroy. Uh, affected my life growing up and sort of was like in a positive way yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I've always said that the BBC Radio Superman series that's the voices I hear when I read the comics when I read the comics mm. the voices I hear are Kevin Conroy Mark Hamill mm. um, oh, it's gone from my head but the voice of Alfred and Jim Gordon are those voices their names oh, completely yeah, gone from right. my head. I had them in my head, and they've oh, gone. It has, it has as mine. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. But I know you. I know you. Yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah, mm. all of those were the voices. Even as much mm. as I love Michael Keaton, it was never Michael Keaton's voice. No, no, which is weird for me because when I watched the first Batman film, Tim Burton film, you know, I saw Batman on the screen. I was like, oh my god, that's you know, I totally believed it bought into it you know i was young but still you know i bought into it same way as you know christopher reeve will always be my superman yeah but then and i thought that was it that was it i i was you know it's gonna be keaton keaton and that was it but then of course you know when i heard kevin conroy and started watching the cartoons i was just like no this is it this is it because even from when i was very very young i knew that i wanted to at least learn about animation and as i grew older and watched more cartoons and especially Batman the animated series that started to push me and I think that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do acting because in reality I wanted to go towards just making films but animation was really where I was going to go and that yeah. was because of Batman the animated series so because of that like poor old Michael Keaton got completely surprised yeah. <laughs> he was just like he just couldn't he just I think as well because it, it sort of went from Michael Keaton to Val Kilmer you were like nah, live action Batmans are interchangeable because that's the other thing with Kevin Conroy he was Batman from 1992 yep, I don't know when 92. they started production but 92, 92 yep. pretty much up to when he died he was he was in fact he's got his last performance is coming out in the new yeah. Suicide Squad computer game. That's, That's right. got his last performance. So, yeah, he was Batman up until the day, you know, they died. And that's a tremendous legacy that no one's ever, 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 ever going to pass because, and he, you know, not just that, of course, he, he played him in live action. It's, in, he played him in, in so in, in pretty much every medium, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, but, but, but it's when he got cast in live action when they did the Crisis um, the crisis on um, Infinite Earth, yeah. Arrowverse crossover. And he, he was gonna be in live action. And I was like, "This is it. This is this is it for me, man. Like he's gonna be live action Batman, you know, Bruce Wayne, whatever. I don't care. You know, he's gonna be a part of it. That is them honoring this guy's legacy. And I loved it. <laughs> he had such a positive outlook to it as well because there was backlash against how he was treated. People sort of felt it was a bit mm. disrespectful that they made him like an evil Bruce. 
crazy. Yeah, but he, he had I mean, such a positive thing about it of like, you know, I can ask. Yeah. Of course I'm gonna yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Just... he, he said he said in the interview, didn't he, that he was like, I thought I'd aged out. And now it seems like I've aged into playing an older British one. Yeah. And I'm like, you you you've got it. You know you you've got the right way of thinking. You you know what you're doing. Well, the, thing, <laughs> the guy genuinely loved being Batman. Again, I love Michael Keaton, but there was a period mm. until sort of recently where Michael Keaton seemed very ashamed of the fact he was Batman. I'm not saying he mm-hmm. was, but that's very much how it came across. He wouldn't really talk about it. Well, that's that's how people view Birdman, wasn't yeah. it? Birdman was sort of his way of kind of um chronicling his 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 relationship with Batman. But yeah, Kevin Kevin Conroy seemed to genuinely love it. And and of course, you know, I mean I I you know I mentioned to you earlier, I, I met Kevin Conroy yeah. uh, a couple of, a few years ago back in I want to say 2018, 2018, MCM Comic Con in London. Uh, I knew he was going to be there. I was there with, I think I'd just done the first issue of Captain Cosmic, and I think it was like, that was when it was coming out, and I had the book, and I had my table, and it was one of the only times my wife has come to a Comic Con, because uh, my wife is not into comics, or not into anything like that. And she came with me and we set up the table and she was just sort of one. She went, she was like, I'm going to have a wonder. I was like, okay, go have a wonder. We, I knew Kevin Conroy was going to be there. I knew what time he was signing. It was coming up. And I was like, okay, I'm, I can wait. It's fine. I was getting very excited. I had my copy of Batman Adventures number one, like nice. in my bag waiting. And uh, she, she comes back and she sits next to me. And she says, he's, uh, he's signing now. And I'm like, he's not meant to be signing it for like 10 minutes. And she's like, no, he's, he's doing it now. And the line is really short. And I'm not joking. If you could have seen it, you would have seen one moment me being there. And then the next moment, like a cartoon puff of smoke. <laughs> that's, I just, that's exactly what I was picturing. <laughs> gone. I was just gone. And uh, I waited. And, and again, you know, it was quite special for me because, again, my wife was there and she's not, someone she openly admits that she's not someone who like idolizes people never really kind of understands with how i get really excited about like celebrities or what you know people that are like, like you know like the whole cast of next star trek next generation would just like if i was in a room i'd probably fall over you know it's that kind of thing she's not that type of person she doesn't like you know she has people she looks up to but she's not one of these people but she saw me meet kevin and she's like i get it i get it because i was I was so excited and, and when it was my time I sort of wheeled up to him and he sits he's sitting there and I'm like I put my hand out and I'm like I'm not gonna lie but I'm up I'm, I mean it's very cliche but I'm like I'm, 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 this is a big deal for me <laughs> and I, I shook his hand and I said you, you must have heard this so many times but you are my Batman I said and he's like you know thank you and he's very gracious and I said you know, because of you, because of the show that you did, the work you did and are doing, it's, that's why I became an animator. Like, that's why. And he was so brilliant about it. And he, we just chatted for, like, about animation, how cool animation was. And, and you, know, his, you know, his love for the medium. And he was like, well, I don't need to tell you. It's very labor-intensive. I was like, I know, it's amazing. And just for those two minutes, it was just, you know, they say, they say don't they, that you shouldn't meet your heroes. Yeah. And uh, I I have been quite lucky. I've met quite a lot of people I've admired over the years. And some of them have, you know, turned out to be not the people you kind of 
want to meet in the end. But Kevin Conroy is not one of those instances. He was easily one of the coolest, most generous, most warm, wonderful. He just he just seemed happy. You know, he'd been doing this for like nearly 30 years, meeting all these people at Comic Cons. He was just like, he didn't, you know, he heard my stories a million times all across the world, but he didn't care. He was listening to me tell it and he hadn't heard me say it. He made me feel that way. Yeah. And I'll be forever grateful to him for that. And uh, yeah, man. I mean, I've even, I, I met Stan, I met Stan Lee as well. I'm yeah. lucky enough to meet Stan Lee, but meeting Kevin Conroy for me, yeah, <laughs> it's like that's it's way more. <laughs> no, he's one of those people I would have loved to have met, but I'm just not a big queuing up for a. Like <laughs> I get people not... that are, and, mm-hmm. and you know, but you know, I would have done it for him. It's just I couldn't face like an MCM style event. Oh, that sort of I thing. Mean, and yeah. I deeply regret it. it's like like one of my heroes and you know the reason this podcast is named Dan Why Not was Barry Norman and he did a evening with Barry Norman in Gloucester and I was like I really want to go and I was like nobody wanted to go with me and I was like he'll do another one at some man. point yeah. and he never did obviously and then he died and I mean he died it's... several years later but it's like yeah, my deep yeah. regret was I didn't just like suck it up and go by myself and I mean I yeah, like I mean, I get it, and I, like I say, I can't, I can't put into words the how much it means that I did do it because obviously when the news came a few months back that he he had he had died, I was absolutely inconsolable. Yeah. Again, you know, a lot of when this has happened in the past, you know, when Howard Ramis from Ghostbusters or yeah, Leonard exactly Nimoy passed away and 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 stuff like. Again, my wife was kind of a bit like, but you didn't. I mean, that's sad. Are you okay? But you, know, you didn't really know these people. <laughs> like, that's what I've said before. But, it's such a weird thing, isn't it? But but with Kevin Conroy, because she had seen the reaction that I had had with him and how wonderful he was and how important it is to to me growing. She to see that she was just like she just gave me a big hug. Yeah, even question it. She's like, this one, this one's a bad one. This one, this one matters. This one, this is this is harsh, and she got it. And ah, oh, it was it was brutal. Um, and I, and he's, and I know it's, it's some people it probably does sound silly because it's like you know you don't know this person you only met them once or even for like two minutes and whatever. But it's like it's the thread that through your life that that work produced. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and, and the effect that it had. And uh, I, I just remember going up and uh, watching a whole bunch of Batman the Animated Series. I just retreated into the work because for me, it was that's how I dealt with it. Because yeah. it was just like, oh, because you can't always put it into words. And I was like, I'm just going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm not one of these people that can write a long Facebook post. Because inevitably, all those things where people write a Facebook post when like when Howard Ramis died or when can come yeah. eventually it comes back to being more about you than it does about admittedly it's how that person affected you but yeah it just all feels a little bit kind of like look at me in this time of grief and you know and I, I get that people do it and that's their way of processing and it's awesome I'm not having to go at anybody who does it but just for me it just starts to feel a little bit like it's less about Kevin Conroy now and more about my memories of <laughs> but you know what though like I totally did that yeah. and I, I get what you're saying man and I completely respect you're, I get it, and you are right, but I sort of feel like, in a way, that that's kind of what it always is, really. Yeah, you know, it's about it's an awesome thing for people to read. People say about how yeah. important it is for them when they get to read that mm. stuff. So I'm not in on anybody. Just for me personally, of I just you're not. no, I know that. Yeah, of course. 
I'm kind of like, why am I sharing this insignificant story about me, like, you know, finding comfort in watching Batman the Animated Series on DVD or whatever yeah. at a low point in my life? Um, I mean, <laughs> no, you I mentioned it. it. Harold Ramis was the other one that really, I've, I've got a little mm-hmm. Egon Spengler shrine up there. I've just, I was called Spengler yeah. at school because I had the big yeah. <laughs> and the glasses and just, I always gravitated towards him. He's got one of my yeah, all-time favorite well, bits in Ghostbusters when they first flick on the proton pack in the elevator and it just slides away in the background. Back. Dude, I wore Ghostbuster cufflinks at my wedding. Was, my eldest son um, is into Ghostbusters <laughs> now, so we watch both films. They're both on at Christmas. Yeah, I was yeah, pointing yeah. out all the little bits of micro-acting from Harold Ramis that I was like, you can have all your Bill Murray one-liners that are great. You can have all your Dan Aykroyd kind of, you know, <laughs> moments that are hilarious as well. But Harold Ramis is like, deadly assassin of comedy in that film he's genius he's genius but yeah yeah it's it's a big thing when you you lose these these people that have these impacts on your lives and like i say for me kevin conroy is was a big one and uh yeah i just like i say i, I sort of retreated back and watched a bunch of the animators watched mask of the phantasm um yeah. every yeah every christmas eve i watch christmas with the joker sort of my nice. kind of solo tradition and uh yeah it's uh it was very much like this is weird I, yeah yeah last time i watched master of the phantasm was the day the news came out because i was like i just don't mm-hmm. know it was weird mm-hmm. i was devastated but i felt so numb at the same time and i couldn't process mm-hmm. it and i was like mm-hmm. i just need to watch i'm gonna watch mm-hmm. batman master of the phantasm and it was in retrospect i feel it was both the right thing and the wrong thing to do mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. in some ways, I mean, because Batman Master Phantasm, it's a bleak ending, <laughs> a beautiful ending. It but, but, it's... but it is. But you know what? Like that, I think that's what adds to the beauty of the yeah. whole film. Because the whole Master of Phantasm did something for me with Bruce Wayne that I, up until that point, definitely had never seen before. And I'm not saying it hasn't happened in in the comics because I, I can't claim to have read every Batman comic made to man. I've read a lot, <laughs> but I've never, but there was this, this, this I, I, I kind of, the way I think writers, good writers who handle Bruce Wayne, again, it's just my opinion, but good writers who handle Bruce Wayne understand the fact that Bruce Wayne died in the alley with his parents. Yeah. What came out of that alley was Batman. You know, yeah. not trained, not anything, not informed, but that was Batman. Um, but in Mask of the Phantasm, they gave him a chance to come back with, you know, Andrea Beaumont in the flashback scenes and him falling in love with her. You know, he's starting his vigilante life, but he hadn't quite got there yet. Um, he was still just kind of going around in like a balaclava or whatever. And Andrea Beaumont came along and he started to fall in love and he started to feel again and started to feel human again. Oh, the graveyard scene. It doesn't mean I don't care anymore. I don't want to let you down, honest, but... But it just doesn't hurt so bad anymore. You can understand that, can't you? Look, I can give money to the city. They can hire more cops. Let someone else take the risk. But it's different now. Please, I need it to be different now. I know I made a promise. 
but I didn't see this coming. I didn't count on being happy. Please, tell me that it's okay. Maybe they already have. Maybe they sent me. I didn't count on being happy. It's like one of the most yeah, heartbreaking eyes. And it's yeah. It's that'd beautiful. be an Oscar worthy scene if it was live action. And I'm not on it because it's animation, but no. if it they put be. that in a live action right. film, that would have been his Oscar clip. It, it, absolutely. And and the this whole idea of him falling in love and with this woman and who's his yeah, he's intellectual intellectual equal, you know, she kind of keeps him on his toes and everything like that. And for it to be pulled away and ripped away and then in that it all culminates in this beautiful score by Shirley Walker who on you know the late great Shirley Walker who just who's whose who's music throughout the series was beautiful and, yeah. and fantastic and we'll, we'll be coming and, on to Shirley Walker <laughs> yeah and and there's this beautiful moment when you know he, he he sort of gets the ring you know he's proposed to her and everything like that and this moment when he gets the ring he comes out of the cave he's found a cave and and Alfred's just standing there all somber and he just gives him the ring back and you see his entire and he reads the note that she's leaving you know um you know too young need more time forget about me and he just you see Bruce Wayne break again and then they go into the next scene which is the, him I'm gonna say the greatest Batman scene ever in any film possibly even in comics well the score the score is dubbed the birth of Batman. Yeah. That's what that track is called. And he's in complete silhouette because Bruce Wayne is gone. Even before he's put the mask on, you don't see Bruce Wayne. He's gone. That is not who he is. And, you know, the hand comes up and Alfred goes over and gives him the, the mask. And puts it's the, the way he looks on. at the cowl before yeah. he puts it on as well. All in silhouette. Yeah. That was the picture I put as my profile yeah. thing when he me died. Too. Me, yeah, me too. And he turns around again. You don't see him. It's all in Alfred's reaction. Yeah. And it's the eyes and that. And it's interesting, actually, because that moment is weird. When you see Batman walk away, and even as he's making himself, the gloves aren't the same. He's got no points on his gloves, and his ears are slightly bigger. Um, Kenner, in their line for this film, toy line, released an entire new Batman sculpt figure based on that which is weird because you don't see it in anything other than silhouette but i've got it in my office upstairs it's got like a different color scheme it's got a slightly different more kind of classic looking bat on the chest ears are more pointy kind of a bit like justice league batman you know the gloves don't have the points on them and it's just i mean i, I will get onto the kenner line because I, I, we need, we can't talk about this movie without talking about that well no i mean um, as long as kenner didn't release a phantasm figure that revealed who the phantasm was are you being sick? Are you, are you joking I'm, with me? I'm being sarcastic. Because <laughs> I was like, you know they totally did that, right? <laughs> yeah, I've got it. She's, she's in yeah, the loft. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Um, but, I was so uh, excited when I found that figure. Again, pre-internet <laughs> days, you just found it in the wild. Yeah. They, um, but that, that entire sequence is just one of the, like you say, and the graveyard scene, Yeah. going back to what you said about that, that uh, recently... Um, they interviewed someone interviewed uh, Andrea Roma, uh, Romano, the, the voice director for pretty much everything Batman animated and 
DC animated back in the 90s. She talks about that scene being recorded. And so did Dana Delaney because they would record ensemble on Batman the Animated Series, which was quite rare and still is. So they would have every actor in the room to react to each other. And they, they both recounted the story of watching Kevin record that scene. And apparently when, when they cut, Andrea Romano went over to him and just gave him a big hug yeah. and said, I, I said something along the lines of, I don't know where you had to go to get that. I don't That's, know where you've got to. That yeah, interview's in the latest or previous issue of Empire, wasn't it? Amon Mormon. Oh, is did, it? He did is a really it? good piece and they talk about it in that as well. Again, I think that might be on the I website. So I'll put a link to that in the show oh, notes as well. I see. I, I, it's just bits and pieces I've picked up a, yeah. a, a little while and. Uh, but she was like, I don't know where you, you had to go to get that, but thank you. And, uh, and you know, again, D- D- Dana Delaney, because obviously, you know, and Dre Beaumont pops up at the end of the, after, right after he said it. Um, so she was there, uh, Dana Delaney was there for the filming. She was just like, it was just breathtaking to watch. And you're right. If that had been live action, that would have been an Oscar, yeah. nom- at least a nomination, because my goodness me, like, it, it just breaks your heart to watch this man fall to pieces. Oh, basically, I, after, I was in tears when I watched know, it. Yeah, After, especially knowing just, everything. You know that Kevin Conroy was carrying around with him as well. Because I didn't know he oh was gay God. until a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it made no change to my opinion of him in any way, shape, or form. If anything, it was no, like a lot of that makes sense. A lot of his Batman makes more sense now, like how he got into that performance, and he he said it himself in. Mm. when he started talking a bit more openly about it mm. um mm. and like you know you could see where he was coming from with his batman yeah. Mm. Mm. but but yeah that, that that it was those subtle things you know and and about the story that so like i say i've never seen that in batman before you know it's always you know, dark broody you know even yeah. when he had like love interests with you know say kyle tyler al gore or vicky vale or whoever but with Andrea Beaumont, it was like he actually had a chance at redemption because the bat hadn't got him yet. Like he was, he was, do you know what I mean? I mean, he was, he was, he was Batman, but it wasn't solidified yet. And he had this path to sort of salvation. And it was ripped away from him. And he just retreated into this monster, you know, to, 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 to get the criminals. And it's breathtaking writing. It's absolutely yeah. breathtaking. I, I, I made a note of the writing of this film. I mean, it's got so many amazing lines. Um, I wrote a few of them down, and now I've got so many notes. <laughs> uh, like I say, I didn't count on being happy with a beautiful line. Um, I'll find it, and I'll as soon as I find it, I'll, I'll jump in with it. But yeah, I wrote loads of them down. Um, just the whole what will vengeance solve thing. Yeah. In the wrong really hands, been... that would have been a really clunky bit of dialogue. But between those two, and she says something along the lines of, if anybody could understand that, yeah, it would be you. Because that's the other thing. He gets a chance at it a second time, but obviously he doesn't go yeah. all in on it that time. And my th- he can't. It's when he finds the necklace in the back cave at the end, mm-hmm. and it's like he realises he's alive, and that weirdly seems to break him even more. It's all in the animation, but it's like he drops again. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like knowing she's... Like, and it's just two lonely people. Going, I mean, it's that amazing final line of the film of you know i'm sorry do you want to be alone and dana delaney's delivery of i am and again that's another one that tears me up and then just you know it cuts across to batman a gorgeous shot of him just brooding on the 
building ledge wow. and then it pans across to the bat signal and it just swings out and it fills the screen and it's like I mean that was really comforting when I did watch the film. It's like mm. the Batman's still out there swinging around somewhere. Man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you so, you talk about that in job show in particular. <clears throat> so I, 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 I mean, I did go to university to to study animation, but I taught myself storyboarding by looking at Batman animated storyboards in particular. And that particular shot, that that tracking shot at the end, was a was a particular one that that really stuck with me and showed me how to. To kind of storyboard tracking shots in animation and how they did it because you know they had this beautiful way of pushing their illustrations out of the the, the panels because you know storyboards back in those days in particular because they were obviously done paper had a very you know neat template there was a warner brothers yeah. batman template and the artists were like yeah screw that <laughs> they're like we want to do a tracking shot we're going to draw it over here we're going to do this and uh they sort of did that with this that shot this beautiful long drawing of the gotham night sky and the you know the, 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 the kind of somber head of batman and then the looking up and the, the bat signal hitting the sky and it's just so like if you ever find like the the like because they're out there i've got books on them but they're out there if you ever find the batman animated storyboards they are beautiful artwork within themselves yes yeah. um and i and the the master of phantasm ones are no uh are no exception they are like they are absolutely beautiful and that shot as well but like you're right you know it's this whole idea of these two lovers that have been pulled apart and and you know we do see her again uh, yeah i, I was gonna say i mean time. we sort of talk about sequels <laughs> towards the end but i don't know i although i was like oh that's cool because it's yeah. spoilers for batman beyond but at the very end of batman mm-hmm. beyond it's revealed that she was hired to kill terry's dad and he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't do it. Is that Batman it Beyond? No, it's Justice League. It was, it was, Justice League Unlimited. Justice yeah, Limited. Batman Beyond didn't get a proper ending, did it? So that's why they did it in Justice League. Um, Episode called Epilogue. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always torn with that. I was like, on the one hand, that's cool, but on the other hand, I, I don't know. I quite liked leaving her on the ship. I agree. In in some respect, again, I was like that. That's really cool. It's the phantasm, but actually, you, you're right. And what? And what I kind of love about her as a character is that she was so... Like, there was a character in the early 90s, in, 90, in 1992, called Phantasm, that was in, uh, I believe it was the New Titans run. I think it was you know, Marv Wolfman and George Perez, I believe. I could be completely wrong there. But there was a character called um, Phantasm who, who looked similar and had similar abilities um, but it was completely intangible. Like their whole thing was they were completely intangible. And I don't know whether that served as a as an influence. I know that the Reaper from, from Batman, Year, Batman two. Year Two. Yeah, because Batman sort of Year Two is the biggest influence on this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. With it's elements similar, of one, but, similar yeah, elements yeah. of the story as well, with yeah. Bruce falling in love, but, but at the end of that she becomes yeah. a nun rather than <laughs> Yeah. But the idea that they created this wonderful original you know, I'm gonna say it's an original villain. There are bits and pieces from, yeah. from bits of you know here and there, but I would say she's quite very original. Um, to you know from what was in, in Batman or from before, and but I loved the fact that they they never went they never went into explaining in the film what her whole deal was. Yeah, how did she teleport? What was going on with you know you know? There's, I mean, because 
there was a whole bit where was it was it Chucky Soul at the beginning who throws a, a, a like a broken axe through? Was it Chucky Soul? It was one of them, one of the gangsters, anyway. Yeah, it's, like a, like, it's Buzz, isn't it? In the it, cemetery, it's Buzz. That's it. Buzz. That's why right, Buzz in the cemetery. And you know, she lifts the arms up, and it goes straight through her. Like, how? Oh. So we're not going to explain it. Doesn't matter. Um, they do because like the, she, she fires a lot of gas, a lot of smoke, and there was uh, a Batman Beyond comic that explains that it was a variation of um, Scarecrow's fear toxin. So actually, what we were seeing in the film isn't actually what was happening. It was actually just the perception of the villains because they were under the influence of the gas and just seeing her, you know, like, you know, teleport and do all this other stuff. But I'm kind of a bit like, uh, it kind of ruins it for me. I kind of love that you don't know. Yeah. Does she have superpowers? Can she teleport? Does she, or is it just some gadget? Is it, is Does she, she just ninja? like do a puff of smoke and run away really quickly and then run back? <laughs> who, who, who knows? And, and I loved it. And, you know, some people might complain at the time, but it wasn't particularly, like it didn't, I mean, it did make sense, but you know, you wouldn't necessarily, you would know, no one would have guessed that she was Phantasm. You know, obviously a vo- different voice actor, different build. Um, you know, I've got the Batman animated uh, DC Direct Phantasm figure. Yeah. And, you know, it's as big as Batman. You know, it's, it's a big, big, you know, muscular frame, um, which, you know, Andrea Bowman is not in that film. But I didn't care. <laughs> I thought the reveal was great. Uh, I love that. I love the whole, like, it works narratively that she's got this sort of revenge thing against these guys. I love that the Joker's in it, but it's not about the Joker. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he's, he, is, he is in it, and he obviously plays a big part of the. the in the in the, the final battle but it's not about him and i love that um because he doesn't feel shoehorned in this was quite natural i love how they tie him into his origins but again don't really go into it we know that he was a um you know a henchman for for one of the gangsters uh sal salvatore um i like that they, they do that but they never name. do it definitively so yeah. you do still have that thing in your mind of is that actually who became the Joker, or is it just a I misconception I think... that oh, I do no, love I that crude that... drawing that he does on his? Um, and I love. I just it, like I say, her whole story is just brilliant yeah. and a wonderful character. And like I say, apart from that, and I know they brought her back in the comics a few times. I'm I'm by the by with that, um, but. Uh, and I know you like to say she was brought into uh, into Batman Beyond. I think it's just a nice nod because um, yeah. they were like, "Oh, we need someone who who's going to kill Terry's parents for us." Wouldn't it be cool? Someone clearly in the writers' room just like, "Wouldn't it be cool if it was Phantasm?" And someone went, "Yep, let's make that happen." Um, yeah, for a sort of like closing the loop kind of bookending of yeah. it, it didn't bother me. It's just, I. Th- Again, this film's perfect. I like that they don't really ever reference this film in the animated series going forward. Not that the animated series really did continuity so much, anyway. No, but it was yeah, it was beautifully bookended. It is a standalone story that you can enjoy, and it has, but it adds so much rich texture to the character. Yeah, you know, and I think I think a lot of the Batman animated films did that. Uh, Return of the joker batman beyond the joker did something similar it's a great movie that, that kind of sits within the batman beyond that kind of yeah. sits on its own and has its own thing it's not really referenced again in that show it's referenced again in that same 
uh, Justice League Unlimited yeah. episode. Um, but again, I think originally that episode was meant to be the end. I don't think they intended to have another season of Justice League Unlimited after that. So it sort of felt like that episode, when you watch it, it was meant to tie up the whole DC animated universe. Um, so obviously they were kind of just throwing in all the references. Um, but yeah, I think Phantasm just sits on its own. It's like, yeah, I'll say it, a perfect movie. Yes, it is <laughs> very much it. so. I mean, it's surprisingly short as well. It moves at such mm-hmm. a brisk pace. There's no, yeah. Yeah. you don't feel like there's any fat on it at all. But no. also at the same time, no. you don't feel like, you're like, oh, I wish they just added a little bit more. It's like, no, it is. It's perfection. It leaves me wanting mm-hmm. more, but I don't know what more I'd want. And I don't think I do want more. And, and, and this might be controversial, but I think one of the reasons that it doesn't, that it does that is that, you know, Robin's not in it. Yeah. And I'm always a big fan of that. Don't get me wrong. I, I, Lauren Lester is Dick Grayson, brilliant. Um, but I was never, I've, I've never been a huge Robin fan. Like, I like him, um, but I've always just preferred my Batman being on his own. Yeah. That's just kind of how I feel. And I'm, and I'm kind of glad that he's, he's not in that film. I think that would have weighed it down. A bit. Yeah, I, I don't think Alfred he needed it. Needed. You've, yeah, you've got the two key relationships in this is Bruce yeah. and Andrea and Bruce and Alfred. Yeah. And the Bruce and Alfred relationship is beautiful. The little pep talks he gives him. Absolutely stunning. And the sass. And the, the, sass. the sass as well. I love the, the you sass, know, that old sequence. I, I diapered your bottom. <laughs> it's just that <laughs> well you're wrong it's, it's <laughs> so like cool. watching two petulant stroppy kids isn't it I know I know. and I love their little yeah. thing about you know um, you're the very model of sanity by the way I've ironed your tights and put away your exploding gas balls <laughs> and, and then, then Bruce with his thing about you know yeah. 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 Like, yeah wonderful knowing look yeah it's brilliant it's brilliant and um, just Bruce's thing about yeah. the chemical and like you know he goes for this gobbledygook science stuff and then Alfred's like he's like <laughs> Obviously, he's like obviously, <laughs> and just the little yeah. grin. Yeah, and I, I love that Alfred. You know, walks in on him making out with Andrea twice, <laughs> years apart, twice. both of the same thing. Yeah, just backs yeah. out with the tray yeah. of drinks. <laughs> but but of course, that's how we knew it was back. Uh, back in the uh, flashback days, they gave Alfred black hair. Yeah, uh, which I thought was quite good. But, but again, that that's something I, I kind of wanted to pick up about the subtlety of Bruce. Uh, sorry, of um, Kevin Conroy's performance. When they do the flashback sequence, you know, he's meant to be a younger Batman, well, a younger Bruce Wayne, sorry. And uh, well, yeah, they talk about him being subtly... on campus, don't they? So, yeah, but but he they subtly change Kevin subtly changes his voice, yeah, just subtly. There's a bit more of an upwards inflection, it's not quite not quite deep yet, he's not quite as old. It gives him that slight change, and you you buy that he's younger. It's not over the top. It's not like hand fisted or whatever. It's not, you know, it's, 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 it's just, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's it's sort of good. more of a childlike innocence to it as well, from like him doing mm. jujitsu in front of her, which is blatantly like, you know, a young man showing off in front of a girl he likes kind of thing. We've all done yeah. it, let's be honest. And just like you know, <laughs> his excitement when he sees the car at the world of the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that stuff. Which is- which is beautiful foreshadowing, yeah. by the way, because obviously we see the car, but it foreshadows the scene later in in there, the dilapidated version with Joker in the in the finale, which is just beautiful. 
because it's like of course Joker's going to be hiding out in an abandoned uh you know Gotham world of tomorrow kind of thing it's just of course he is yeah <laughs> oh so good man so good as, I mean sort of as we mentioned him we should really talk about Mark Hamill's Joker as well mm-hmm. which Gene yeah. Siskel said he didn't like Mark Hamill's Joker he didn't like the voice. Gene Siskel got stuff wrong. Roger Ebert got stuff wrong. All film critics got stuff wrong. <laughs> but that's the one thing with them that I was like, really? And well, thank he you. preferred Cesar Romero and Jack Nicholson, which he was uh, an older man, so let's give it that. Uh, but... Tisk, tisk. And to think our tax money goes to pay those jerks. You! That's right, Hearty. Bring in the press, why don't you? What a photo op! The councilman and his wacky pal! You're no friend of mine. Oh, Artie, I'm crushed! How the high and mighty forget! Don't you remember you, me, Sally and the gang? What are you talking about? I never met them or you. I worked for Beaumont. I didn't know what he was doing. Oh, but you knew about it afterwards and put it to good use, eh? (laughs) What do you want? To find out who's iced the old gang. Haven't you read the papers? It's Batman. (laughs) Wrong. It ain't the bat. Nope, nope, nope. I've seen the guy. He looks more like the ghost of Christmas future. Nowhere near as cute as Batboy. You're saying it's someone else? Yeah, someone who wouldn't mind seeing our old pals out of the way. <gasps> Maybe. Go. Sob. Me too. That's when I thought about you, Arturo. An important, upstanding guy like you could find it awkward if certain secrets were revealed about his past. Wait, you're not saying that I... Mr. Reeves, Miss Beaumont on the line. Beaumont? Not the babe. Oh, you devil. Arthur? Arthur, are you there? Shh. <laughs> H- hello, Andrea. Uh, we're, we're still on for lunch, right? I'm sorry. I, I can't. I got hung up. I'll explain everything tonight, okay? Uh, all right. Uh, I'll, see, I'll see you then. Now, ain't that a co-winky-dink? <laughs> We're talking about the old man and the spawn of his loins just happens to call. Makes you want to laugh, doesn't it, Arthur? <laughs> I love to mention Shirley Walker's well. It's nothing to do with Mark Hamill, but when the lightning strikes when he stood in Arthur's office and that little bit of score that plays from Shirley Walker. And just how he's like up and down. He's such a bipolar manic. Oh, it's just, again, you know, he is my Joker. Yeah. He is. He, he will always be my Joker. Um, because I think he, he, he truly, because when you, when you look at Jack Nicholson, his performance was very clearly influenced by Cesar Romero. Very clearly. And obviously it would be, you know, it's this sort of, because um, you know, to the masses, that was that was the, the gold standard of Joker. Yeah. So it was very clear. And, and I think what was beautiful about Mark Hamill, his take on it, is he sort of took that 
and kind of ran with it. And but again, because it wasn't the flagship Batman, because it wasn't the movies, or whatever, he was allowed to make it his own and be be maybe you know, okay, I'm going to be experiment a bit more. It's not just going to be a direct because we all know Batman the animated series came about because of the success of the, the Tim Burton movies. Yeah. We know that, but it wasn't. It, it didn't. It, it never felt like it had to be a version of that. Um, apart from maybe the penguin but we don't want to talk about that <laughs> so, see i know, like um i like the penguin in the animated series i like how they took oh, really? batman returns style and sort of animated it made it i preferred that to when they redesigned him although i preferred a lot of the animated series design to the new batman and robin adventures designs or whatever oh yeah so cool. yeah, um, yeah i liked that and i think catwoman was influenced a bit by batman returns as well with the going for the black well the redesign definitely yeah, was, yeah. i think I think there was a remit to sort of have that, but I think I think maybe the Art Deco a little bit. Well, I know that the I know that it was for the sort of Penguin in particular because yeah. there's, a, there's a there's an interview with Bruce Tim where he recounts going to meet Tim Burton, um, who was you know they were they were making um, Batman Returns at that point, um, and he sat down with him. He said, you know, we're going to be making. We're going to be bringing Penguin into the show. We want Penguin on the animated series, but obviously there needs to be some sort of branding synergy with us. And apparently, Tim, Tim Burton pulls out a bit of paper. I think it might have been a napkin or something like that. I don't know. I could be just completely making that bit up. But he he just doodled this uh, this drawing of Penguin because I don't think there was enough of you know the costume ready at that point. And he he, he just doodled the Penguin and went, "That's what he's going to look like." And that's kind of what Bruce Tim took, and had to kind of then take off to design Penguin for for um for uh, the animated series. Um, I I was never a huge fan of that version um, myself. He's actually one of the versions of in the new adventures of Batman, the redesigns that I actually do prefer because I I, I I'm not a huge fan of the, a lot of the redesigns, in particular the Joker. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't I, I don't like the black dots the Joker. Yeah, eyes oh, and really, and you know, I know he's only in like one or two episodes, but I think the New Adventures um, Riddler was nowhere near as good in design as the uh, the design for the animated series. Um, but that's again personal yeah. preference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, for, for going back to Mark Hamill, I think he he there was like this kind of freeness almost to just kind of create your own Joker. Because I don't really feel, feel like he was um, riffing on what Jack Well, no, because he was brought really? in as a replacement for Tim Curry, wasn't he, in the series? That's true, yes. And, and I know, yes, I remember reading that. an interview with him at the time where he was like, if you just want me to do an impression of Jack Nicholson, just go get Christian Slater. He was like... <laughs> <laughs> I've not read that interview, but as soon as you say it... I, it's I one of those it. things, I read it, it, I can't remember where I read it, but it always stuck with me. <laughs> That's beautiful. I can just imagine that now. That's so good. That's so good. Um, but yeah, like I, I think was it recently footage had come out of I don't know how old how long ago it got released. Um, but footage of um Joker with Tim Curry's voice surfaced, and it's weird because it's it was so used to, to Mark Hamill now. You know, I think I listen. I'm sure I've seen that, but. I think it just went straight out of my head again. Yeah, it, it's, it never stuck, and I can see why they went to Tim Curry, especially after like yes. Stephen King's It, because he's wonderful of in course. it. Of course, I, you of could course. look at it and you'd be like, 
that guy should be playing the Joker. Yeah, yeah, for real. So you, you can see why they went to him, but yeah, I don't know. I can't remember the reasons why they said it wasn't working. Um, and again, well, this is not a slight on Tim Curry. Yeah. I just don't think he was right. Well, well, I think that's just what it was. Sometimes it just doesn't work. You it's know, it's you the Eric Stoltz thing, Marty McFly, isn't it? It's, it's like, the Eric Stoltz it was, thing. It was a very yeah. different Marty McFly. Exactly. Um, and it worked out for us because, yeah. you know, we, we got we got Mark Hamill doing Joker and he has, has well, been every bit as iconic in that role as, as Kevin Conroy is as Batman because it's just... The, the subtleties in his performance, his his laugh, his it's just I mean, I love that bit when he bursts into the councilman's office in Mask of the Phantasm and he's like, I'm gonna call the police. He's like, Yeah, get him down here. Come and get the you know, with the councilman he can immediately wacky pow and see his eyes going all weird and I'm just like, It's so good. It's this scene with Sal. It's, it's where he flits from like, you know, light and joking to them when Sal grabs yeah. him. It's like, Don't touch me, old man. But it's yeah, just like a mean. real darkness in the voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't know where you've been. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, and just the way weird. he says that that's what he, what's what he wants to see a nice big smile. But it's just like weirdly yeah. warm but creepy at the same time. And then, yeah, it's terrifying, terrifying. I mean, there's some yeah, wonderful creepy laugh. bits in this film. Um, the cemetery scene is really nice and eerie. It feels mm-hmm. right out of like a. 50s horror movie kind of thing yeah like yeah. the original light of the living dead or something like that yeah um, absolutely the reveal of sal of the dead sal behind the newspaper yeah. just that face oh. is nightmare fuel oh my god the it's... bit where he's where joker's got the councilman down and he's just laughing in his face and you get that sort of close-up on like pov shot on the joker's face and he's just said the joker's laugh melts and... into his laugh uh, that's yeah, another thing that's like that. really horrible when you think about it. Just be, not being able to stop laughing. No, no. And then of course he's strapped to the bed and he's 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 laughing and crying at the same time. And Batman comes in and he just completely loses it because he's just terrified. And yeah, it's you're right. There's so many bits in this film that's just like that's creepy. But... As a kid, you're like that's a nightmare. Film. I couldn't get like the not being able to stop <laughs> laughing thing out of my head for ages. Yeah, it's like that yeah, in some ways yeah. traumatized me more. <laughs> But you're but, right, like the uh, it's the when you brilliant. realize that it's Ellis from Die Hard as Arthur as well. Oh, yeah, no, I can't, I can't help every time I watch Die Hard, man. <laughs> the scene with him and Hans Gruber, and, you, and you're just like, mate, I can't just, I, I just hear, I'm Arthur just waiting for you, like, Joker, booby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 but yeah, that, that bit with the, the, the reveal of the dead body, it's like, that one's for kids, yeah, really, jeez. You know, it's just brutal. But uh yeah, no, like there's so many bits, man. Like, I mean, I, I've made some notes. Um <laughs> the opening scene is one of yeah. my favorites. If we go right back to the movie, um, you know, with the uh, with the gangsters. And I think if anything, one of my favorite things about this movie, one of my many favorite things about this movie, is the fact that, you know, like I say, Joker is in it, but he's not the focus, you know, phantasm, yes, obviously, but the backbone of this entire film really is the gangsters, the monsters, yeah. like the, the, the proper bread and butter street level villains of Batman. You know, there's no focus on, you know, superpowers or whatever. It's just, you know, these guys that have been running Gotham for forever and these rackets. And we get that wonderful opening sequence, which was kind it kind of felt like a bit of a remake of 
um, or at least sort of a spiritual remake to the original animated pilot. Yeah. Which itself was then redone for the opening titles. Yeah. You know, um, of, the, of the series. I love when Batman walks and then just stomps on the table with the guy underneath it <laughs> reaching for the gun. It's, yeah. it's a but, the but the animation in the fight sequence in that was, I think, a bit a bit step above the 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 animated series, like. The, the movement and the flowing of the fight when Batman like, throws this guy onto the table, punches this guy. It's very fluid. Um, it feels slightly high production in the animation. Yeah, series. all that stuff feels fluid. The only thing that feels clunky for me when I watch it is the way some they walk, but I imagine that was being up against it time-wise, so you yeah. make the important stuff look yeah. good, and then you just sort of... Get, it's a bit like... Not that it's buffering, but you know, a bit like how characters move in video games. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But again, um, that's a minor thing, and it's only something yeah. that you sort of notice after you've watched the film, like yeah, for your no, 150th time, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, you know, there's and there, there was another part as well where you know the flashback where Bruce takes on like the biker gang yeah. trying to steal all the money. There's the bit where you know the guy's coming at him on the motorbike, and he sort of stands there, and then he jumps up, and that whole kind of slow motion. Uh, movement of him jumping on the bike's front wheel kicking the guy off and then flying through the air and you know slow motion in animation is an extremely difficult thing to uh to to, to create because you have to draw more frames it's not like with live action where a camera you can just kind of you know crank it up, up to take more photos yeah you know like capture something like a thousand frames per second and then you just play it back slower in animation you have to create those frames you have to draw the little individual movements to make it slower and um you know back in the 90s they're obviously doing all that by hand on cell and drawings and all this other stuff so to to, to really carry that shot off is a very difficult thing that they did and it just pays off you know he kicks the guy in the head you get close up and then he like kind of almost you almost think he's going to land on the guy yeah. sort of like riding like a surfboard he doesn't but and it's just it's, it's just beautifully animated it's that and when he gets hit with the baseball bat yeah when he gets distracted yeah. by seeing andrea out the corner of his eye yeah yeah and, yeah and then his frustration with andrea that you know he let himself get distracted yeah yeah but i mean yeah i'm even going right back to the, right back to the beginning the Warner's Bugs Bunny logo. I love seeing that mm-hmm. at the end of a film. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But then Shirley Walker's theme over that slow crawl through the computer animated city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely stunning. It is. And I I love, don't get me wrong, I love in the animated series that they use the Elfman, Danny Elfman uh, music tied into the movies and stuff. It's great. But I loved that they didn't use it for this. That it was yeah. all it was Shirley Walker's kind of, um, kind of uh, her her theme. Her because she'd worked she with. Created. I watched a Hans Zimmer documentary, and she was working mm. with him, and then he pretty much cut her off because he did it because she needed to be out doing her own thing. Because I know she'd done stuff with Danny oh, really? Elfman in the past. As well. He basically was right, like, yeah. he was like, "You're too good to be doing this for me." He's like, right, so right, I'm, right, right. I'm forcing you. I'm basically getting rid of you. Wow, I didn't know that one. So you're, it's um, it might still be on iPlayer, the Hans Zimmer documentary. Yeah. But he talks about it. I'm sure it was in that that he talks about it, and he talks about Shirley Walker. Mm. Um, well, she... I like what she did with the Danny Elfman theme because she, the, yeah. she did a rearrangement of it for the animated series. Yeah. I love this. Did. 
I love this opening music. I love it. it's got the hints of the yeah. Danny Elfman thing still, but I love the choral music in it and mm-hmm. all those elements. Mm-hmm. It's just a bit like I say, even the little flares like when Joker stood in Arthur's doorway. Well, she she did this. Um, if you find them, you can they're on like Apple Music and stuff. You can find like volumes one and two of the the soundtrack to animated series. Yeah, I think I've got and volume last, one CD. Well, the last track on volume two is actually Shirley Walker talking about creating that music, awesome. and she goes through it all and how she plays it and how you can do the answers and. And all this other stuff, and she she does this whole thing about how it goes into the anime, the Danny Elfman stuff, and it's, it's and she just talks about it. It's like six minutes long, and it's just fantastic to hear because she, you know talking about her theme versus the Elfman theme, and how you can all and how yeah, it's absolutely wonderful to listen to to her talk about that. And like I say, her music in this film generally is just so it's 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 as important as a character it just is yeah without that like you say there's those little elements of the joker there's the beautiful score birth of the batman when yeah batman you know obviously puts her which is just oh my god yeah or, or the bit when just after he bruce has proposed to andrew bowman and, you know the bats come flying yeah. out of the cave and it's just like god oh my god the music is just it makes the scene it just does it wouldn't have the same impact any other music and yeah she's she was a she was an incredible um composer her work was just breathtaking yeah it's such a shame that yeah she died when she did because she had so much more Mm, i mean yeah she did it's yeah like you say it is like you know the other character in the film yeah um yeah and yeah, I think it's La La Land, but the extended scores and that out. And they're well worth picking up if you can get them. They're not cheap. Because <laughs> I remember <laughs> getting the one first one on CD, and I was like, do I really want to spend like 40 quid on a CD? And I was like, no, it's worth it. No. no. Well, I mean, like I say, the, the back, they are on Apple Apple Music, yeah. if you if you get that. And uh, they're just... They're just phenomenal. Like the music in it is just—it's just phenomenal. It's not all Shirley Walker. Other people did some music on it as well, but she was obviously the the, the kind of guiding hand yeah. over the whole the whole thing. Um, and like I say, her her kind of score, her her kind of theme for Batman is just ripples through everything and ripples through this movie in a way. Yeah. And like I say, I'm 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 kind of glad that they left the Elfman soundtrack off this. It wasn't too into the Tia Carrera uh end, see in isolation end. it's an awful 90s song at, yeah. at the end of the film it kind of I don't know it it feels it, it fits the film it, it, it fits the film but not in a way that I like it possibly isn't the film <laughs> the song I would have picked but sort of I think you've gone on that emotional <laughs> roller coaster like, I just want like a generic 90s love song from a cheesy, movie cheesy saxophone it feels a little bit yeah. like warner brothers had it kicking around it had been attached to several films and then dumped in favor of like yeah. a bigger name and they're like let's just stick it on this band movie oh god is there a love theme in this band movie? yeah there you go yeah, just, like I say oh, it's part, in, in isolation no it doesn't work for me as a song but just <laughs> at the end of the film it feels so much of the time as well i think it just... yeah i guess you're right i guess you're right yeah it's just for me. I'm just like that's what I turn off. 
I tend to find I listen to it. I don't know why. I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to watch the credit. I'm not ready to walk away yet. It's sort of a nice way to bring you out of it. It's it's the one bit that makes you go, really? Yeah. And again, nothing against her. No, well, no. no, Nothing against the singer. She's got a very nice voice. And it's, like I say, it's a perfectly fine song, but it's. It would never chart. It would never have been released no. as a single. It does feel like that. No. Well, we've still got that Tia Carreri song that we've not been able to attach to anything. Well, I think she. I, don't, I think it was before Wayne's World, wasn't it? I don't think she. No, Wayne's World was in 1990, oh. I think. Oh, was it? I think oh, okay. 92 I was Wayne's World too. So. Right. Well, I was. I might be right wrong. after the Wayne's World movies. No, you. I might be you're wrong. Probably right. You're probably right. That's probably why they put it on there. Sort of had that um, whole kind of her trying to put her star power on it. Because she was obviously massive at the time. If it was like, like you say, if, you know, post Wayne's World, then it, you know she was probably pretty massive. I'm gonna have to look it now because if I if ah, I'm giving I'm out, if I'm it. giving out false information, no, right, you're probably right. I'm I'm looking at as well. Wayne's World was ninety two, so ninety two. So yeah, yeah, so yeah ninety three. Oh, Wayne's World two was only ninety three. I thought it was. Wow, they got that out quick. Yeah. So yeah. So around the same sort of time. So yeah, I suppose it would have been between the two films. Peak yeah, Tiara. So it would have been her. Yeah. Pre True yeah, Lies. Oh, Just thinking if there's any other little bits. For some reason, I've written a note of smacked her in the face by Joker's sausage. I do like that when he's got the. It's like the bologna and the knife, and he ends up pulling up the bologna. Yeah. <laughs> Joker would. That's what's beautiful about it. Because some part of you could think, well, it's a kids' movie. He was never going to grab, you know, the more violent weapon. But it's like, no, the Joker wouldn't. The Joker would have grabbed the big because it would have appealed to his sensibility. Like, yeah. He would have grabbed the big, but but like massive roll of you know baloney to beat someone over the head with it because he would have thought it'd be funny. Um, but yeah, we can't we can't talk about this movie and not talk about the toy line in general and yeah. uh, that whole. <laughs> That whole thing, man. Like, because did you see the reveal of who the phantasm was coming? No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, because I I, I can't remember which way round it was. Whether I saw the film, then I got the toy, or whether I because I was buying the animated series toys off and on as well. Right, 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 right. I I used to like pick them up in ASDA and sort of give my mum that look, and she'd either be like, "Put it down, you're not having it," or, I mean, generally she should have been like, "You're like 13 years old, put it down." Because I was technically yeah, um, probably too old for buying action figures at that age. At no, that time. Yeah, no, but we're, we're no, also no, talking no. the 90s. I, when you like. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have any Batman animated toys when I was that age because I had all of the um, sort of like Kenner, like Batman, you know, um, Michael Keaton, you know, Dark Knight collection, Batman Returns figures, and the Toy Biz, Batmobile, and things like that. So my parents are very much like, you've got enough Batman, you're fine. And I was like, okay. So um, you've, you've got Batman at home. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. You're fine with that. Um, so actually, no, I, I, I didn't see, uh, I didn't see the, the reveal coming and I didn't see the figure before I saw the film, which I was super glad about. But like we talk about it these days, about how things in movies can get uh, uh, spoiled because of you know Funko releasing their you know, or a Lego set, or... or Lego set. I mean, Lego, right, boy? Oh my god! Although um, I will say, in Lego's defense, they do also release sets. That well, I think it was an Iron Man three one that had the Mandal him in a little like tank thing. It's like that bit is never in the film. Yeah, yeah. but with um, but I mean, it was there was you know the nineties had their problems too, man. Like it yeah. wasn't the only one. So yeah, so as we know, 
the figure comes in the box. You've got your Andrea Beaumont figure, complete like complete black leotard, like uh, and then the, the the you know the detachable phantasm mask, complete with cape, next to it in the blister box with the whole it's the phantasm. You're like, what are you doing? Like I, that's I can only imagine the, their logic at the time was pre-internet. It's like unless you saw it in the wild, the chances of it ruining the film for you were pretty slim. But <laughs> I just, I just, I just don't know. I mean, they weren't the only ones. Uh, Dick Tracy had that problem. Playmates put out uh, the blank. Oh yeah, um, and you could take them underneath was um, was uh, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers <laughs> was Madonna. Um, uh, the other one that comes to mind was uh, Wing Commander. Did you ever see the Wing Commander movie? I didn't. I played some of the games, but yeah, I mean, great movie. It's not, but I love it. Um, they had they actually had a cut storyline um, where, where they basically still put the figure out that then revealed this. You know, David Warner's character was actually evil, but then they cut the storyline from the whole movie, so it makes no sense. Uh, but again, it was a toy that, in theory, would have completely ruined this reveal. And you just think, but 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 both the the, the Dick Tracy figure and the Wing Commander figure, they had the masks on in the blister box, whereas the 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 Phantasm figure was just completely like, yeah, no, man, like, and you just think, what 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 are you doing? Like, what why would you why would you? And you're right, maybe you're right. They're like, well, you know. Kids would have seen it if they hadn't seen it. They probably don't care. And it's just, I just love it. It's a, it's a wonderful bit of complete back crap crazy trivia. Yeah. I imagine like, again there was probably an element of it's only a cartoon. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Kids yeah, are stupid. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. They won't realise what's going on until. I mean, it's still a great figure. Mine's upstairs with my other ones. I say I've got the uh, the Batman, uh, the birth of Batman figure. See, Which I didn't is, get. Uh, that's the only mask of the Phantasm figure I got was the actual Phantasm. Yeah. Um, I think the only yeah. Batman the animated series figure I've got out that isn't part of the DC Direct line is the Quick Change Bruce Wayne animated series uh, one. See, I've 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 got a lot of them now. I've got uh, you know, I've got my original Bat. Well, I've got the, the Batmobile. Got both of them actually from New New Adventures. I I I you know, I collect Batman Kenner Batman yeah. animated figures. And I've got nearly all of them now, um, and I've I've even got Wayne Manor. I know you've got. Adventures. I've seen a picture. Of, yeah, posted a picture I've got, of Wayne it's Manor. The new adventures. Ooh. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's the new adventures, but it's the same mold. It's just different. Well, yeah, out. it's the same as the Batman um, Forever mold, and <laughs> it going right back and, to the '89 ones, isn't it? It's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy for everything. Um, I mean, two. I mean, two right. Brilliant. Um, and then I've got. I've also got an Alfred. Which only came out with the Justice League Unlimited line. Yeah. Um, and I've got that. Um, but yeah, with the Phantasm, I've got. So yeah, I've got the birth of Batman figure, which is, like I say, it, 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 the design was never seen in the film. You only just saw like a silhouette. Yeah. How they decided to come up with a. It's a brand new sculpt for the head, which in the 90s would have cost a load of money to retool. It was weird. But then uh, I don't have the Joker, but they re- the Joker they released for it was him. It was the same. Uh, it was the same figure from the animated line, but they put him in a harness because it, it replicates the scene where he tries to escape at the end. You know, with the with yeah, because I got the animated series one that's the orange squirty backpack. Yes, yeah, yeah, I've got that one too. Um, 
but it was just it, I just loved that they did it that they made this line and sort of regurgitated a bunch of figures in it and like I say that that phantasm thing is just like completely bonkers and I love it yeah <laughs> it's just nuts it's, it's like oh <laughs> I mean <laughs> sort of quickly before we move on just a couple mm-hmm. of things, other things from the film that I love. I don't know whether it's a deliberate reference or not, but I like the use of deadly forces authorised and then the SWAT team hut-hutting as they come out of the thing. I wonder if that's a reference to the Blues Brothers. You reckon? I mean, maybe, yeah, probably. It's, it's the thing that popped into my head. It's like the use of deadly force has been force has been authorised, which is a famous bit from Blues Brothers, and then the SWAT team coming out of the vans all going, hut, 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 hut. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, man. I, I was like, surprised. is that a Blues Brothers reference? And... I love when Andrea disappears holding the Joker and it's just the Joker cackling. Such a beautiful way for that character. If we didn't see her again on the ship, that would have been... And I love the scene on the ship as well, but that was also... I mean, it's a perfect sort of ending for the Joker. I know that they did an expanded thing where they explained what happened afterwards and why he survived. Oh, did they? Yeah, I've never really looked into it because I don't want to know. No, I don't want to know. I didn't know they did that. Um, no, I don't know if it was somebody cool. in an interview did it or whether it is actually in a canon right. story somewhere, but I was just kind of like, no, I don't want to know. The Joker's just, just always maybe. mysteriously survived these things. Maybe it was in the, the comic book adaptation. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. It, I've got the novelization and I've got the... Uh, oh, right. I've not read right. the novelization since I was a kid, though. and I've got but, the uh, no, but, comic adaptation as well. But. Oh, I've not, I've not. It's one of the ones that still eludes me. I've got a complete run of Batman Adventures. Um, but I don't have, but I don't have that. Um, I I desperately want it. Um, but yeah, like I say, the that's a great moment, and the whole design of the phantasm as well is just great. I mean, he says it, doesn't he? He, says, oh, he looks. Joker says, "Oh, he looks more like a, you know, the ghost of Christmas future or yet yeah. to come." And I'm like, he really does, doesn't it? Like, he's like really good. Like, beautiful. Apparently, he went through lots of designs because uh, he would, but. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. I love I love Stacey Keaton as the voice as well. I know I mentioned him earlier when I yeah. did that. But like I say, he's not on the poster, but I just thought he was worth mentioning. It's such a great performance. I love that Chucky's or Yeah. It's an awful impression, yeah. but I love the way he does those lines. Which I swear Maybe. is where Arrow got that you failed this city thing from. Maybe, yeah. Usually we talk about sequels, but this was in the middle of an animated series for one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're sort of worse sequels. You had Sub-Zero. Yeah. Mystery of the Batwoman. They did the Harley mm-hmm. Quinn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mystery of the Batwoman was a bit disappointing for me. Yeah. I've not, only seen it the once, not, though, to be fair. I... It's it's worth another watch. Like, it had a nice bad. short on it with Catwoman trying to steal something. From yeah, what I remember on the DVD, it's 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 not bad. It's not a bad film. It's not great. Um, it's it sort of feels quite nothingy. Yeah, I think that was my problem with it. It's like it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was just meh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I liked that they tried it. I liked the whole thing with the, the three Batwomen. Uh, spoilers, <laughs> um, but it it worked. It's you know Sub Zero, great film. Really liked it. Um, yeah, really the good. only thing I had for Sub Zero was it just felt a little bit more like an extended episode of the series rather than mm-hmm. a movie. Yeah. Whereas Mask of the Phantasm feels like a movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't it feel like you could have broken it down into a three part of the TV series or anything like that. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. Um, then there was obviously Return of the Joker. Um, I, and then, of course, you moved into 
Justice League territory because yeah. I suppose you had World's Finest that they packaged together, didn't they? As... Yeah, yeah. I mean, which has one of my favourite yeah. Superman moments ever, where um, Lois Lane's on the plane that's being hijacked, and she's like, "What's your name, Lois Lane?" Like, what that Lois Lane? Which Dana yeah. Delaney is Lois Lane. Well, interesting to point out that this film got her that role. Yeah, because she hadn't done any voice acting before this film, and this was her first first voice acting role. And they loved they loved her so much they brought her back as Lois Lane. So you know, without this film, we wouldn't have got her as Lois Lane. Yeah, I, again, arguably my favorite. Uh, well, maybe not as not not as beloved as Margot Kidder, but you know, pretty close. See, always be Terry Hatcher for me. As flawed as that yeah, you... characterization got, but. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Well, well to be fair, film, Terry yeah. Hatcher and Lorelai King from the BBC Radio series. Mm. I mean, my love, mm. I've mentioned my love of the BBC Radio series multiple times. That, <laughs> that was what I grew up with because I didn't have a telly in my room. So it was that on cassette yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. My dad would go and get his car fixed. I'd be like, <laughs> I'm borrowing your Walkman and just <laughs> listening to Superman. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to have to check them out, dude. You're really big it up. They're really good. They're really faithful to the comics as well. They do some nice yeah. alterations in Superman Adventures, or the Adventures of Superman. Yeah. Um, Doomsday and Beyond also makes some changes, but it's very, very close. Obviously, it cuts stuff out for time and that sort of thing. Yeah, 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 they yeah. pop up on... If you can find them legitimately, I recommend finding them legitimately. But if not, they do pop up on YouTube sometimes. Okay, I'll check that out. I'll, check that I, out. I'll always direct people to the you know, legitimate route that actually gets Obviously. money in the pockets of the people involved but absolutely absolutely. if, if they're not going to make it easy for you to find then youtube's always well, the place to go yeah 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 but um but yeah no dana delaney was fantastic as as lot of and like you said yeah. that bit in, in, in yeah, and then he'd already put her seatbelt on so when the superman flips the plane it just falls down yeah 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 i'm just rambling i'm yeah. just rambling. <laughs> no i mean that whole Bruce Timiverse animated series verse mm-hmm. was a glorious period. Um, it really was. And, and, you know, we sort of got one last film with Justice League versus the Fatal Five back in, I want to say, 2019. Yeah, it was around um, But again, like Bruce Tim kind of gone on record and kind of go, is it a part of the continuity? I don't know. We originally were going to do it in a different style. I think the style, the two styles they had available to them was obviously the Justice League style that they did it in. And then I think it was like like, um, Young Justice style, I want to say. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't the Young Justice style. It was the style they did for um, Crisis on Two Earths. You know the film where yeah. Justice League took on the, the with Mark Harmon as Superman. Yes, because originally that was going to be a Justice League Unlimited movie. Yeah. Um, See, part of me always wished they'd the... done all those movies in that Timiverse style, even if they weren't in the Timiverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely um, agree. Because um, I mean, as great as some of those movies are, the animation seemed to get flatter and flatter as it went on. There was no mm. character in the background anymore. It didn't mm. feel lived in. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Some of those. And I think sometimes they were films. trying too hard to move away from the comic, which I get moving away from the comic, but I think it sometimes they did it at a detriment to the actual story. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree. And yeah, but uh, that Fatal Five film though is definitely worth a watch if you've not seen it. Um, 
it's good. I mean, it's it's technically Kevin Conroy's last movie. Um, yeah, because when was Batman say, and Harley Quinn? Like, that was one say sixteen, seventeen. Because again, that was sort of in universe, wasn't it? It was again. It's kind of considered to yeah, twenty seventeen. It was. It's considered to be, but again, it's kind of a bit loose. It's one of those things where if you ask Bruce Timm, he's just like, yeah, it kind of works. It's up to you. I kind of get the feeling that he was happy with where he left it at the end of Justice League, and for him, that was his definitive end point. The uh, the Batman Harley Quinn movie is a weird one for me because it's very much one of those whole um, we're going to make this cartoon that you loved as a kid, but because you're not a kid anymore, we're going to give it adult things. It's going to have all the same people in it. It's going to have it's going to kind of look the same, but it's going to have adult things, more adult yeah. kind of stuff that we can't show you. And like I went to see it, like uh, I said, I went to see it at the cinema. And I was really excited. And I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. There's definitely liberties taken in it. I was a bit like, uh, I kind of wish they'd done that. Um, but there was wonderful uh, Easter egg moments. Like this, there's the scene in the, the henchman bar when you see all of these different henchmen from various, you know, Captain Clown from like, you know, from the Joker, the android Captain Clown dancing with the, um, I can't remember her name, the, 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 the female android from, uh, from the Hardak made in you know the earlier episodes yeah. of Batman the Animal, little things like that, and I'm like, that's that's genius. Um, and it's, it's 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 decent watch, but yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it, it was fine but forgettable for me, like a yeah, multiples of those ones. Like yeah, it was fine, but it's also forgettable. Yeah, um, yeah, because yeah. I think they did that. Gods and Justice League: Gods and Monsters was in the animated series style as well, wasn't it? Sort of. It was, yeah, it was. It wasn't in the continuity universe. Yeah. yeah, they were great. They were great. I enjoyed them. I enjoyed the, um, the, you know, being unshackled by by what had come before. You know, changing it up, giving us a different Superman, different Wonder Woman, different Batman, and kind of playing with it. They're, they're worth a watch, definitely. Yeah. I recommend checking out most of the animated ones. There's a couple that does. The Killing Joke's a bit of a dud for me. Mainly because yeah, it's, it's, it's ruined by a first half. I think they should have committed to doing it as like a, a slightly longer DC short. Yeah, it was. Um, and it, and I'm not going to lie, it bummed me out that it wasn't in the animated style. Like, I kind of get why they didn't. They kind of wanted to maybe try and do something closer to Brian Bollard's um, artwork, but. <laughs> yeah, I think when they started swaying into that, making it look like the comic artwork, it sort of yeah. it yeah. felt a little bit like yeah. me copying yeah. somebody else's art style kind of thing. You know, yeah. as a kid, obviously better than that, but you yeah. know, it, it had that yeah. facsimile feel rather saying. than a yeah. Thing. And of course, like you say, the first the first half of the film yeah. um, is just no, not for me, not for no. me. I'm sure someone enjoys it, but not for me. Yeah, yeah it, it felt like weird 14-year-old fanboy it fiction. Did. I mean, I get it. It's a short It's a short book to make a film out. I get that. But I think what you said there about um, making it maybe an extended short was probably the way to go. But uh, but we can say that. We can say yeah. that after the fact. With Captain Hindsight, yeah. we can sort of say that I mean, that, that's maybe... 
God bless them, they try to do something with it. I'd rather they try mm. to do something mm. with it and fail than not do it at all. Yeah. Totally. I mean, regardless of my feelings of the end result, I'd, I'd much rather somebody, you know, unless it's heinous and horrible, which mm. arguably maybe it is in places. <laughs> but, yeah. But I mean, they'd already peaked with Mask of the Phantasm, so. Oh, and they just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where do you go from there, but down? Wow, this is it, isn't it? This is it. But... For once, I'm stuck without a punchline. Uh-oh. Okay, I give up. I surrendered already. Tell her, Batman. Andrea, you've got to get out of here. The place is wired to... Explode! No. One way or another, it ends tonight. Goodbye, my love. Awesome. All right, then. Well, I like to guess that I come back on for a second time. I like to punish yeah. a little bit more with a further set of questions. <laughs> if you fancy giving them an answer. So, Bring it on. Right. Good news, Andy. Hollywood has greenlit mm-hmm. a movie of your life, uh, and they've given Amazing. you complete creative control over it. So they just want to know the following things. So is the yeah. film of your life going to be fact, fiction, or a mixture of the two? I mean, you've got to go with a mixture of the two, haven't you, really? You know, you can't have everything that's real because, uh, you know, you want to maybe make things a bit more interesting. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I think I've done some pretty interesting things too. So, uh, you know, let's make it a mixture of uh, fact and fiction. Awesome. <laughs> what genre is it going to be in? I have no idea, man. I, I, I always default to sci-fi, but how would that even work? <laughs> um, I you can know, sci-fi-ish I things we did an episode on about time and that's the most sci-fi-ish rom-com I love that movie that's so, mine and my wife's favourite movie like as a couple we love yeah. it um, uh, but yeah okay let's make it sci-fi let's do yeah. it let's, let's do it right, who's playing you <sighs> I've never been able to answer this question I've honestly never been able to answer it uh, because I always feel like it's too arrogant to sort of bring up. Do you know what I mean? For me, uh, I'm going to go with uh, just for the for the for the last. Uh, let's go, Tom Hardy. He's older than me, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, who's playing your love interest? I'm going to caveat this with it's either your real life partner or one made up for the film. So don't feel the pressure to like cast your wife or anything like that. If you. No, 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 no. I I'm fine with that. Uh, I. Uh, they would be playing my wife, I think. Um, Christina Ricci, or Ricci, I can never remember how to say her last name. Christina um, Ricci, I've always said Ricci. Ricci. But I, yeah, Ricci, Ricci. Christina Ricci, yeah. I, I've lived in that beautiful ignorance of never actually hearing how she says her surname. So. <laughs> I, I, and the reason for why, and uh, I've said this to her many, many times, but I think my wife kind of looks like her. So uh, that's who would, yes, 
that's who I would cast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, who's directing the film? Oh, that's a really good question. Because the absolute arrogant side of me would go, well, me, obviously. It's, it's a movie <laughs> of your life, man. You can be as arrogant as you want. <laughs> I'm going to say me. I'm going to say me. I'm directing it. Awesome. <laughs> All right, who's doing the score and or soundtrack? So that's a soundtrack a la like Prince's Batman soundtrack or Madonna's Dick Tracy tie-in album. Yeah, yeah, no. I've never been a huge fan of those um, myself. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do like those two that you have mentioned, but generally I've never... I, I say it would be a soundtrack. I'll take those over score. the music inspired by. It's just it's yeah, got definitely. no involvement with the film at all. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be... Um, goodness. Can't help it. It's gonna hands Emma. Yep. Because <laughs> I want that epic score, man. <laughs> I just want it. No, that's absolutely fine. All right, and um, what's the title of the film? Uh, <laughs> these are hard questions. <laughs> these are hard questions. What's I mean, I will say I should have given you a lot more time to think about these rather than just being like <laughs> ten minutes before. Like, oh, here's these questions. Uh... If you fancy having a bash, <laughs> I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. He who dies with the most toys wins. <laughs> it's a badge that I've owned since I was a kid. It's one of my favourite things ever. It basically encapsulates me. <laughs> so that's what it's called. He who dies with the most toys wins. Is that that you've collected or that you literally are holding them as you die? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I told my wife she's got to bury me with all this. Oh, I know it's not going to happen. I know it's going in a skip, but I've I've told her two things. One, don't sell it for the price I told you I paid for it. And yeah. two, when I if I die before it's a problem. <laughs> oh. oh, I do have that moment. It's that really depressing moment where I look around my office and I see all these wonderful toys and collection of my entire life, and I'm just like. This is going to be somebody's problem one day. <laughs> yeah. I, I often look at my kids and be like, "All oh, this is going to be your problem one day." Yeah, I know. I just look at it. And I just think every time the wife's like, "You should have a sort out, really." Like, you should watch that Stacey Wasser face thing or the Nick Knowles one yeah, where they yeah, go around yeah, and make yeah, you throw yeah, away fifty yeah. percent of your stuff. And I'm like, "You yeah. judgmental." Every time with that one, when they bring DVDs back in, the one woman's like, oh, is, it, "Is it is it Mary Kondo who's just like if it doesn't bring you happiness, it doesn't bring you joy." You should get rid of it. And I'm like, do you not think all of this brings me joy? All this brings me joy. And then even <laughs> the stuff in the loft, when the wife's like, you haven't looked at it for years, it's like, yeah, but then I'll go up in the loft and I'll see it and I'll instantly be back to that moment on my bedroom jo- floor. Jonathan Ross, Jonathan Ross was on Antiques Roadshow a little while ago. And, um, oh, what's her name? Who presents it? Fiona Bruce. It's gone out of my head. That's it. She goes to she goes to his house and he's yeah. into his office and it's all cut. And she says, it's a bit, in it it's a bit she's quite dismissive about it and he's just like yeah but this brings me joy i sit in this room and it makes me it relaxes me it brings me happiness it and i'm like go get him john to me <laughs> there's no difference between this and people who buy fine art for real at I, the end of the day they're 100%. spending a load of ridiculous amount of money on swirls of paint 100 <laughs> percent agree with you man. at least i compose <laughs> and i think and I, and I think that's kind of how like my wife bless her kind of kind of understands it because i'll get like ah you know i just bought a um uh, a boxed lieutenant commander data like from from star trek and like art asylum before they became diamond or whatever 
and uh, it wasn't very much but for me it's like it was on the wall there you know it's on the wall like kind of hanging up and like that's my art you know that's what that is it's yeah. it's like you say you know these people that buy these paintings and stuff or whatever for me i mean yes I, I have art on my wall yeah but at the same time it's like these figures they're not all boxed some of them are out of their box you know i do that but that's what they are you know? yeah I'm always, unless it's a really nice box it comes out oh yeah like, it's definitely i'm, I'm not one of these minting boxes like everything has to stay in a box what's 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 new in the world of, of andy clift i mean like you say you say you moved over from a, a university job into animation yeah that's right um <clears throat> i'm currently working on uh an animated web show called ed's world uh which you can find primarily on youtube uh my youngest watches that oh really yeah so yeah working on ed's world um so I'm basically um, co-writing and co-directing on that, uh, but I'm also in sort of kind of head of the, the illustration side of it. So I sort of oversee the, the comic strips and uh, various like illustration work that we do on there. And it's, it's awesome. It's a dream job. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> I get to work with one of my oldest friends who, who runs the show. And uh, yeah, you, it's, it's great. It's, it's fantastic. Awesome. And we make good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. No, it's, I mean, and sort of comics, what's going on with like Captain Cosmic? Mm-hmm. I love Captain Cosmic. I've told you before. <laughs> Thanks, <man. laughs> um, it's it's uh, Captain Cosmic has um, recently kind of more, um, taken taken more of a backseat because of, of um, Ed's World's kind of like takes yeah. up so much of my time. But I am, I am sort of doodling away on on issue four issue four has been quite a, a ride for me um because I, I did the first three issues before i became a father and then of course i became a well i became a father around about just as it, i was finishing issue three and then it came out and of course trying to find the time to do a comic book uh, you know i don't have to tell you when you did yeah. a job doing a comic book it's 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 not easy um it's it's definitely happening though i've 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 written some i've, I've written something i started drawing something uh, there will be more Captain Cosmic. I can I can definitely tell you that. I'm I'm hoping to do another issue of whatever it turns out to be, um, whether it's issue four or if it's a brand new standalone thing uh, of Captain Cosmic this year. That's what I'm aiming for, that we get it out this year. Yeah. Please. <laughs> no, man, real life always gets in the way. I mean, I've had a comic uh, I've been working on since 2020 that it's either I have the intention of doing it, but I'm just so tired from everything else. It's just kind of just can't face it i mean i know you sort of have to force yourself to but at the same time it's like either do this or and neglect my children or i just spend and i'm sort of getting to that point where i'm like shit these little buggers are growing up wait it's like my youngest is going to senior school in september and it's kind of like it's all gone you yeah yeah i mean i know know. it's it's impossible to be that father that you in your head you want to be because you just it's also impossible not to look back and be like i should spend a bit more time with them like you could spend no, every waking moment of your day with them, and you'd see, but like, I wish it was a bit more quality time. Yeah, and no, to a certain no, point, uh, you've got to just let your kids be by themselves. Well, yeah, <laughs> sometimes yeah, it's just yeah. nice being in the yeah. house with them. It's like they're in a yeah, completely different true. room doing whatever, but yeah, my, mine's not at that level yet. My mine's just uh, whenever she's around, she's around. Yeah, um, and it's great because she's just you know brilliant. Um, I know I'm biased, but I do believe that. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, I mean, one of the other things I'm, I'm working on is, um, which is again taking a bit of vaccine, but 
I, I was doing for a while a comic strip based on her called Pickle Chops. Yeah. Uh, just, a, just a four panel comic strip that was sort of like a, you know, mining her life, mining her childhood for uh, for content, you know, like you, you know, like every good parent should do. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I mean, you know, as I'm sure you know, you know, kids are funny. Yeah. Kids just do funny things, man. I mean, she's easily the funniest kid I've ever met in my life. And she just does things. And I just started doodling them and just like writing them down. And before I knew it, I had a bunch of strips. Um, the only problem with the comic strip is if you don't keep doing them, you run out of them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, again, that's something I'm going to get back to this year. I want to get that up. I was releasing it, I think, uh, once or twice a week. Yeah. And then I sort of just burned through them. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be picking that back up. Uh, so yeah, more Captain Cosmic, more Pickle Jobs, more Ed's World. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, I'll put all the links in the show notes and everything. And um, so cool, people cool. can find it. And, uh, yeah. hopefully check it out and all that stuff but that's awesome yeah no but no thank you for doing this i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed revisiting the film again as well yeah that's thanks for having me man instantly back to being a child again <laughs> Absolutely. i say you child know, I say but i was like 14 years old by this point <laughs> <laughs> you were a child but uh no i mean you i mean you gave me an excuse to rewatch it again not that i needed one but you know it was nice you know i was like Gonna watch, I'm going to watch Mask of the Fantasm again. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's such a nice, easy watch as well, isn't it? It's, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like 78 minutes if you sit through the Tia Carreri song as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. And I'm sure I'll watch it another two, three, four times before the end of the year. You know, yeah. I will just put it on and, yeah, while I'm working or whatever. Cool. It's a shame it's not on telly more. Yes. Or not on any of the streaming services. But we no. don't really get Batman over here. Streaming services, no, much. I think you still get it on DVD, and I think it's in the animated series Blu ray box set. I can't remember if it's oh, in the DVD it? box set, but I don't no, think I think they put it as a Blu ray, but it's not actually Blu ray quality. It's nice quality, right. it's the one I watched today. Right. Um, mm. I mean, that's a it's a film that's crying out for a special edition anniversary Isn't thing. Just... But if Bruce Tim not keen on going back on it, and Kevin Conroy's not with us it... anymore, no. no. No, I don't. On the other hand, though, it. maybe it's stand, the mythology around it is better because there isn't a definitive documentary on it. Or, yeah, um, like I said, it was a good piece by Amon Mormon in the last month's issue of Empire, I think it was. Um, if you know a lot, yeah, it doesn't really out. possibly tell you much that you don't already know. But it's still nice to read it all collected. Well, together. that's it, isn't it? That's it, isn't it? I mean, I it's I've read so much on the animated series and. I'm, and on the film and everything like that, that, you know, uh, it'd be lovely to read something that I've never read before. But at the same time, just, just reading about it is nice. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, I'm cool with that. I'll check that out. Yeah, I'm sure it's on the website now. I'll dig the link out. I'll put it in the show notes and that. But, um, yeah, if you Google Empire Batman Mask of the Phantasm, it should come up as one of the links. But, awesome. but yeah, no, no, cheers for this, Andy. I really cool. enjoyed it. No, thank you. Awesome. Take care. Take care, mate. Bye. I couldn't save her, Alfred. I don't think she wanted to be saved, sir. Vengeance blackens the soul, Bruce. I always feared you would become that which you fought against. You walk the edge of that abyss every night. But you haven't fallen in, and I thank heaven for that. But Andrea fell into that pit years ago. And no one, not even you, could have pulled her back.
Quite a sight. Yes. I'm sorry. Do do you want to be alone? I am. and the Phantasm. And why not? I'd like to thank Andy for joining me on the episode to talk about the film. Please do check out the show notes for the links to Andy's comics and the Edsworld YouTube channel. I've also included a link to the Empire Magazine article by a mom woman, so please give that a read if you're interested. At the time of recording, Batman Mask of the Phantasm is available in the UK on DVD or as an import US Blu-ray. Or you can get it as part of the Batman The Complete Animated Series Blu-ray box set, or from Warner Brothers. It's also available to rent or buy digitally from Prime Video and YouTube. We put a shout out on the socials for your thoughts on and memories of seeing the film, and we had a few replies. At John Ottaway on Twitter said, I had this on VHS and I think it still stands up as one of the best Batman movies today. At Infinity Bros on Twitter said, Easily one of the best Batman films ever made, counting live action and animated. And TSDJoker64 on Twitter said, I always struggle to find this even when I'm looking for it on streaming been dying to watch it. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts on the film, you can get involved in the conversation wherever you see this episode posted on our social media channels. So if you aren't already, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, or why not join the And Why Not group over on Facebook. Not only will we be kept up to date on what episodes are coming up, and have the chance to contribute to them, but we also post our picks of three great movies to check out each week on Freeview TV. If you fancy joining us, just search And Why Not Pod on social media, or check the links in the show notes. If you've enjoyed the episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to your episodes. If you're feeling super generous, we'd be grateful of a rating if you have a second or two to spare. Or don't, we're just grateful you spent the time listening to us. If you've missed any Amwine episodes so far, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or on our website at hauntednerds.com. In the meantime, we're back on Tuesday the 16th of May, where I'll be joined by our go-to oiled-up muscle men correspondent Stacey Taylor as we discuss the 1987 Arnie classic, the Running Man. But until then, this has been a Nudes Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can't be too careful with all those weirdos around. Bye for now. Hey,